To left center, deep, gone! Brewers lead it! And a swing and a miss, he struck him out! Down the line, and that's the ball game! Hey Brewers fans, welcome to another episode of Brewers Unfiltered. I'm Brad Ford, social media manager for the Milwaukee Brewers, and I'm joined as always by two of the most lovely people. One who's actually, you know, getting some R&R in Nashville. What? The <laughs> illustriously bearded Tim Dillard. R&R. Yeah, right. I'm getting kids off to school, <laughs> man. I'm making lunches. R&R. <laughs> and then baseball dingus baseball genius Mm -hmm. something something that's in his twitter bio adam mccalvey i would like to set the scene for today because tim is using a different microphone than usual what and it's just his uh his airpods and he's holding it over his mouth like if you're on like scrolling through the, the endless facebook loop and you see kids like singing into their airpods that's what tim, that's how tim's holding it no i'm holding it because if i don't it'll scratch my beard and make noise and <laughs> yeah. just noise. like the kids who are testing their pipes to try to yeah. get like the, the lead in the school play and they're same recording thing. their video that's what you look like so same thing yeah yeah tim were you ever in a high school mm-hmm. musical production no i wasn't i actually uh was on a zoom call with a kid who uh wanted to lo- ner- learn about broadcasting the other day Oh, okay. um, that's in Valparaiso. And he was asking if I was in theater in high school. And I don't even know. I think we had a drama club, but I never did any of that. It must have been during baseball season. But if I could go back, I would. I, I can't sing, but at least I could have learned. I had a non-speaking, non-singing role in My Fair Lady in high school. Were you like a tree or something? You didn't no, do anything? No, I was just like a extra. I don't know. I just had oh. to be involved in everything. I was a nerd. <laughs> Oh, okay. My my busy cross country schedule <laughs> allowed me to have a little time for the. <laughs> Brad, how about you? Uh, no, I I did not do theater. Mm. Anyway, outside of our great acting careers, we have chosen to come together and talk baseball. You know, we we could be out there making millions. I could be in Fast Ten. Tim could be in some Clint Eastwood movie. And Adam would be still trying to be an extra in some Broadway revival of My Fair Lady. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, we've chosen to talk baseball. And, you know, it was an up and down week. You had a gut-wrenching, like, real disappointing road trip against the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. An opportunity where it really felt like, okay, here are two series that the teams can take easily. And you come in on a low... And suddenly you have a four and five homestand where, you know, the team sweeps a double header against the Giants and then they win the last two games of the series against the Reds. Let's focus on the good first. Tim, how big was taking that series from the Reds? I mean, really, that kept the playoff hopes alive for the season. Just as the team as a whole, it's going to it's going to boil down to to some pitching right now. The bats have been doing their job for the most part. Last seven games are scoring over four runs a game, almost four and a half. Uh, it's going to come down to starting pitching, just giving the team a chance. Um, and that's going to fall on the shoulders of Woodruff, Burns, and Hauser. And so for the last week, they've been doing their job. And it's it's good to see because they're going to be the ones that carry this team moving forward. Right. And we're going to address the, the starting pitching is in kind of a difficult spot. We're going to address that later. Oh, my bad. Uh, be, <laughs> no, you're good. That's called a tease. Because it's important to talk about with this. Ooh, yeah. 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 Um, so we'll we'll t- we're going to get into kind of the difficult road the rotation has to go through in the coming days, 
but you know adam the guys have to feel good coming out of the series yeah i think you brad you said this they needed this to kind of stay in it um another reminder when you look at the postseason standings the wild card standings add one to how many games they're back because they can't tie with either the Phillies or Padres. They have to finish ahead of them because they lost the, the season series and there's no more tiebreakers for those things. The tiebreakers had to head record and they already lost that. So it is a tough road. They need to get hot really quick. And uh, you teams rarely sweep double headers. I haven't someone one time, like I had this statistic, but it, it's almost always a split. And taking two from the Giants was was a really good way to start that homestand and then obviously winning the series. And now they need to win. I mean, they need to like win every series, basically. That's kind of the goal because you have to put pressure on these other teams and you have to pass either the Phillies or the Padres. And that's going to take, with only 21 games left, running together the sort of winning streak that's really eluded them. Think Is it still true they only have one three-game winning streak since the start of August? I think that's true. And they have a chance now, yes. obviously, in St. Louis on Tuesday night to, to win a third in a row again. And that's that, that the winning streak, for whatever reason, has eluded this team for a large chunk of this season. And they're going to need to rattle one off now. Right. You haven't gotten the nine or so win streaks that seem to come with the previous four seasons of successful Brewers baseball. I mean, last year they were, what, a game short of the elusive 13. But... Yeah, it just doesn't seem like they put those streaks together like they have. And part of that, you know, <laughs> teasing pitching again has been the rotation health because you've had to rely on guys like Jason Alexander, Chichi Gonzalez. Um, part of it's been inconsistent offense, but two guys who, you know, are kind of providing a lot of the run support have been Adamas and Rowdy. You know, Willie Adamas is only two home runs from 30 home runs. Rowdy achieved it with a two home run day, his fifth multi homer game of the season. Um, and Willie, you know, if he hits 30, he's going to break that franchise record set by Robin Yount. Is he going to have as good of a season as Robin Yount did? Because people brought this up when I brought up the record. <laughs> no, no, no. Robin Yount had like a 10 war in an MVP year. No one is saying that, <laughs> but he is, you know, Robin has been the benchmark for offensive production from a shortstop in this franchise for a long time. And Adamus is closing in on breaking a record that's been around since 1982. You know, that's big. And it's the first time that the Brewers would have 30, two 30 run home run hitters since 2019. Um, Adam, what do you think of their season so far? I mean, they've been, they both have had very up and down years. Yeah. Well, Rowdy had kind of been down lately. So that was a big deal for him. And, and for whatever reason, he's a guy who does this in bunches. Uh, he has five multi, you know, power comes in bunches often, but Rowdy does it kind of like in game in bunches. If he hits a home run early in a game, it's almost like you expect another one. He's done that five times, five multi-homer games. And the only two players in baseball who have more multi-homer games this season. Can you name them, Tim? I'm going to say Aaron Judge. That's a great guess. And it's correct. And let's say Kyle Schwarber. That is a very Can I good guess. guess. Paul I, Goldschmidt. That's also a very good guess, and you're both <laughs> wrong. So it's a finally time for me to stump you guys on trivia. Uh, no, it's uh, Shohei Otani had six. Oh yeah. So he oh, yes, I need to. He didn't hit two yesterday, did he? He had one early in the game yesterday, and then I didn't look again. Uh, um, I don't. I but anyway, watch. he would still have more. But Schwarber had five as well, if I remember my my list correctly. So um, 
Yeah, Rowdy does it in bunches. And I thought one of the cool things after the game yesterday was, um, you know, players will say, like, the big thing is we got the win. That's what that's the right thing to say after games right now, whenever any individual milestone comes up. And that's obviously true of Rowdy. Like, he's a guy you don't have to question about what his priority is. But he also did. I asked him, you know, what does 30 mean to you? This is a guy who really has had to fight for playing time. Um, you know, he, he had Vlad Jr. coming behind him in Toronto and he hit 21 home runs in a season for Toronto. That was his career high. And he said 30 really meant a lot. And he was super happy that he did it at home. And we're not talking about 60 home runs. We're not talking about the all-time record, but 30 is a big number for a power hitter. That's a, that's pretty rare air. And he really wanted to do it in front of the home fans because he's kind of felt like he's felt a lot of love here from fans chanting rowdy, rowdy. And from the organization, an organization that traded for him because they believed he could like do this as an everyday guy. And he's done it as an everyday guy. There's areas he'd like to be performing better, but I think the way to run runs created plus is like 114. That that's fine. That'll play. Um, and the 30 home runs is a big number. So he he was uh he was really happy. And that was kind of, I thought one of the cool things about yesterday is that a guy who really worked hard for years and years hit a milestone that meant a lot to him. Well, I think, I mean, I don't think anybody's surprised by it. I think we could have sat there and said, you know what, <laughs> before the season starts, is Rowdy Telez going to hit 30 home runs? Yeah. I think everyone knew that. It was just a matter of, can he be a everyday player? Are they going to yeah. let him do that? Exactly. Like, Where are they so, going to be the at-bats? Exactly. And so I'm glad that they, they did that because I he needs, he needs to be out there every day. And um, you look at his fielding percentage too. It's not like uh, you know, he's just a one dimensional player. He does have two stolen bases. <laughs> <laughs> Game changer. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, if he was a liability on defense, that would have cut his playing time down. So he goes out there. He's got a nine, nine, nine fielding percentage this year. He picks and saves so many errors. Granted, he didn't do that in the Jace Peterson ball yesterday, but um, for the most part, he has been fantastic. That has allowed him to be such a dynamic player and allow other guys to be the DH. So his value goes beyond just the 30 home runs. Everything that he has done has led to the fact that he's gotten the plate appearances to get 30 home runs, 80 RBIs. Um, and I think it's going to just grow. I think this is the beginning. I think he is learning so much, uh, so fast. I think next year it's going to be even better. I think he's going to build on this to come. You can see it. The power is there. His exit velocity is, you know, in the 98th percentile in all of baseball. And it's not going away. All right. Another key person to talk about. And I, I saved, I set this up so Tim talks about this first because he's one of Tim's favorite people to talk Ooh. about. Adrian Hauser. Oh, yeah. Just had. <laughs> A crazy start by many standards. A, I, you know, he, prior to the injury, probably because of the injury, didn't have a lot of good starts before coming back. Since coming back, has had two back-to-back -back pretty good starts. And, you know, six innings of one-hit ball, one-run ball. Uh, a really good appearance for Hauser. Tim, what kind of set him up for that success and to really get the Brewers back in the win column quickly? I think he has the ability to do this every game, all game, every time he goes out. Just because he throws a sinker, if he gives up a hit, he can get a double play and erase it. Staying away from walks is key. Let the guy swing the bat. It gets everyone in swing mode. Then you start throwing less and less pitches per inning. You start going deeper in the games. It's all 
part of the same tree, right? Just has different branches. And Adrian Hauser just has the ability. He does. And I can't, I want them to kind of extend the pitch counts. Um, I don't know how his bounce back, but to me, if, if you're trying to save innings, as far as the bullpen, having to cover a bunch of things, Adrian Hauser needs to be your guy. Him and Burns, obviously, and Woodruff. You got to just let them pitch. Give them 115 pitches. If you want to save the bullpen for other days, especially with starters going down, Hauser has to be one of your horses that you rely on. And I think he can do it, especially if he's dealing. Third time to the order is not going to matter. If they're if he's not walking guys and he's pitching to contact, these guys can swing all they want to. And, uh, and it's, it's all about weak contact. You know, your defense is going to play and the defense has been playing very well. So I don't know. I just, I love the fact that he's buying into the sinker down and he's starting to pitch in more. I love that. I love, I think he should be doing that. You're seeing Woodruff do it and they're having success late in the season. Maybe the bat's getting a little heavy for the players, for the batters. <laughs> Take advantage of it. Start getting in their wheelhouse. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy watching Hauser pitch because you just feel like, um, the game's moving. So that's what he brings. He brings action to a game. Yeah, uh, Adam, kind of a weird start, but, uh, you know, not the typical success by weird. I mean, not the typical success you see a player have uh, in this era of baseball. Kind of an old school start, really, when you look at Hauser's outing there. Well, and when we went into the season, that was thought to be, or even last season, one of his strengths is that it's a different look than the other guys. And I, you know, we've always talked about this, like, is it best to kind of stagger your lefties and righties in a series and have different looks? I still don't exactly know whether that makes a difference because every day is such a new day that I don't, I don't know if that stuff carries over, but in general, Hauser does it a lot differently than basically every other guy that they have and the uh the no strikeout games are great for him wasn't that a two hour 30 minute game as well see everyone's happy it was wonderful (laughs) so like yeah he moves it along and when you're relying on the defense when you keep them on their toes that's that's exactly what you want so um and to tim's point third time through the order for adrian hauser he's the rare guy who's actually better the third time he faces hitters in games um for for whatever reason so um i don't know whether that has to do with the sinker ball but they are going to need big innings from him. Um, and this was not the plan for down the stretch. It seemed like they were going to use him in kind of a hybrid. They were choosing to use him out of the pen and kind of start where they really needed it. Uh, now that's kind of out the window because of the other needs that they have. And they're going to, that they innings is now the key. I think for Hauser, Woodruff and Burns, as, as Tim said, and um, it's, it's important for him. And he's, he's another guy not had, I mean, how many players on this roster do we find ourselves saying this, not had the year he wanted, um, but a chance to, you know, the, the cliche about it's not how you start, how you finish. There's many guys on this roster that have the opportunity to kind of write a different story about their season by the way that they finish. So it was a, a huge outing for him last time. Yeah. I mean, if look at his last three outings, 13 innings pitched, only two earned runs, four hits. I mean, he's, that's what he, it's not about the strikeouts. I think when he fell into trouble early in the season is he was trying to strike people out. And if you try to strike people out, hitters will just keep fouling pitches off, especially if you're searching for that strikeout pitch. To me, <laughs> to go out there and not strike anybody out is just saying, hey, defense, you got this, let's go. And some of those are the best, when you talk to position players, some of their favorite guys are the guys that just, hey, quick outs, 
get deep into the ball game, get this sucker moving. You have a two and a half hour game. Those are the guys you want to play behind because you're engaged and it's not drawn out because you're not striking out a ton of people. So this should be encouragement to people listening. Like if you're a pitcher, your kid's a pitcher, they don't have to strike out everybody. You know, sometimes you can just give up weak contact and let your defense play um, or you get to field your own position. So that's always fun as well. So Adrian Hauser's that that rare breed now that used to be 15 years ago. That was that was 90 percent of pitchers. So now yeah, for he's, sure now he's the 10 percent. And it, it, this Adrian Hauser is always like an irritating conversation for me when you start hearing from fan feedback on a guy because everybody wants their team to be stocked with five Corbin Burnses and, and eight Mike Trouts. And well, now nine with a DH, you need nine Mike Trouts. <laughs> and, you know, that would be pretty great. I mean, the 2070 Yankees had that maybe, but teams don't have that. And, and like, I always find myself saying, like there is a place in baseball for an Adrian Hauser. If you look at last season, 142 innings, 3.22 ERA. Like teams need guys like that. And and even if it's a four ERA, there is a place in baseball for fourth and fifth starters. Teams need those guys. And Adrian Hauser, the, the reason the Brewers have continued to give him the ball is that when he does locate that sinker, like he's a very capable pitcher and capable of getting you out in games. And the way that all the puzzle pieces of these games fit together over the course of 162, you you need innings from guys like Adrian Hauser as much as you need the innings from a guy like Corbin Burns. So I, I, I just, sometimes I think, you know, you think back to the great Brewers teams, there were some really good complementary players on those teams that had, that played big roles. And a, a guy like Adrian Hauser, even though he's not going to win the Cy Young award this year, can be like, a pivotal guy in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, right. I, and uh, sorry, I just want to say, if he can get through the first inning or two, I feel like Hauser could just throw a complete game every single time. Like he just got to get through the first couple innings, mainly the first inning, and he's perfectly fine. And I, I think he should throw more pitches in the bullpen. You know, I, I feel like he doesn't get loose until like the third, you know, inning, and then he just starts throwing seven pitch innings like it's nothing. So anyway, I feel like he should just throw, you know, a full couple innings in the bullpen before he gets out there. That that right there, if he can pull it off physically, which I feel like he should, um, I, I, I think he's a dark horse, man. I, I think he has to be one of those guys that just eats up the innings so they don't have to sacrifice the bullpen every single time, you know, a starter can't go past five innings. You know, Hauser had that big appearance. Uh, he's going to play a crucial role in helping the Brewers stay in the playoff hunt. But they have a very tough stretch coming up. You know, it starts with the Cardinals, who obviously have taken over the division, almost certainly had the NL Central, despite some weird baseball miracle, which sometimes happens. What's the margin for error right now, Adam, going into this portion against some of the toughest teams the Brewers are going to see all year? Oh, it's it's near zero. I mean, which is just the reality, but... The guys keep talking about when we go in after games, um, the players, they, they still have a pretty good core of players who remember uh, the run to the division in 18 and the run to the wild card in 19. And remember the run in 19 happened without Christian Yelich. That could have been a devastating blow. And instead they found a way to get like really super hot and, and get, go to the wild card. So I think they're relying on that memory to say like it's possible to go on a run um and 
there's still time, 21 games to go on a run, but it like has to happen now. And as I said before, like the minimum is winning every series just to have a chance to make up the games against the Phillies and, and, and Padres. So it, it has to start in here in St. Louis. I mean, it's the division or the wild card race isn't going to be over based on these two games in St. Louis. But like, if you want to make a statement, like we intend to do this, these are two really critical games. And for the Brewers, it starts with a bullpen day, which is challenging, but they've, they've succeeded in those kinds of games before. If you think back, especially 2020, didn't they do that a bunch? Um, they've, they've done it before and they've gotten through those days in, in pretty good shape. So I think it's, that's going to be a start with a, a pretty stiff test on Tuesday night. Tim, is it fitting that, you know, the hardest challenge of the season comes against the toughest teams of the season? Is that just, it seems that's how baseball goes, right? I mean, usually I mean, baseball is hard in general. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Everyone's going to yeah. play you tough. I mean, Hey, we're supposed to beat the cart, you know, the diamondbacks and the, and the Rockies, it's like, well, they're, you know, they played good games, you know, and I, I think the Brewers, you know, their margin for error is super slim right now. But at the same time, the Cardinals can't keep up this sort of momentum. I mean, they're, they, what they've done post All-Star is break is has been pretty phenomenal, but we've seen them kind of do this before, but it's not sustaining. Uh, I it, They're going to start on the down downturn. And I think the Brewers need to take advantage of that knowing it's going to happen. And I, I think they should be encouraged by the wild card. Like, Hey, three spots. All you got to do is get in. You know, that's it. Everything changes. As long as you get in the playoffs, I think the big turn comes from, you know what, what do they got? Eight more against the Cardinals, right? Two, two and two, four, four more. Two and two. Yeah. Four more. Um, that right there, they could, they could, they have a chance to gain some major ground. So I wouldn't even put, I, I, I get it. That it's a, a huge makeup. But if the Brewers are going to make playoffs, then they're going to get hot. And who's to say they can't take over the Central? I'm super optimistic here. But um, if you're playing the team that is in front of you enough, uh, you have a chance. So they have to beat all these teams. But Yankees and Mets coming up, you just kind of hope. <laughs> you kind of hope they can take two of three of each of those guys. But beating big teams like that is the spark that the Brewers need right now. Well, it, the the Yankees are interesting because if you think if if you think the things have been tough for the Brewers <laughs> in the second half, oh, I would yeah. suggest uh, taking a swim into the Yankees' waters for a little bit because they have struggled more than any other team. They have, and and if you think the Brewers' offense has at times disappointed in the second half, I would also suggest looking at the Yankees because it's been like Aaron Judge has a back injury from carrying that offense for the last two months. <laughs> So, um, yeah, and what they had like a they had a what 18 game lead at some point, like when we were in Boston, they had like I think 13 games, and now I think Tampa Bay's only three or four out. The problem is that the Yankees have the, the Yankees just had a, a pretty good week, I think they've won six of eight as we we're sitting here talking on Monday. Um, so they maybe have a little bit of mojo going, and the Brewers just have to hope that you know it. it and Tim's right about like you can do all you want about strength of schedule and playing the, the pirates and reds and teams that are down and Rockies. And it does not do you that good in baseball. You it, it's all about how a team is playing and the brewers have, they've been very upfront about this. Like they've played poorly for a really, for a good chunk of time since like the end of May and um, other teams can get hot. The diamondbacks took a big chunk out of the white Sox, Phillies, 
and Brewers in order, all teams with contending ideas. And the Diamondbacks just found a hot streak. They have really a couple of really, really good starting pitchers who took it to the Brewers in that four-game series um, in Kelly and Gallon. And it just it's it's when you face teams as much as who you're facing and that I, I don't think we pay enough attention to that often and the Brewers just need to play better games they've all been saying that it's obviously saying it and doing it are two different things and by the way the Mets have also been struggling as of late they lost their division lead to Atlanta they regained it after winning two but uh you know, hope is there but first we need to take a break before we continue with our talks of hope when we return everyone's favorite moment watching Tim and Adam drown as they try to answer trivia questions we'll be right back All right, we're back with trivia. Yankees and Mets coming to town. Let's do a little not New York trivia. Get a point if you get it right. Your opponent can steal if you get it wrong. Adam still leads the series against Tim 4-3. to three. <laughs> I don't think either of them have gotten a right answer since May, so oh we God, want to talk yeah. about cold offenses. This is a cold offense. <laughs> Guys, are you ready? Guess what? It doesn't matter. I'm asking. Adam, which of these foods was not invented in New York? Mm, okay. A Reuben sandwich? General So's chicken, eggs Benedict, or the hot fudge sundae? Eggs Benedict. Tim, which of these foods was not invented in New York? <laughs> a Reuben sandwich, General So's chicken, or a hot fudge sundae? I'm going to say hot fudge sundae. And the series is tied for Oh, my God, you actually got one right. (laughs) A hot fudge sundae. Clarence Clifton Brown of Los Angeles claimed to have invented the hot fudge sundae sometime around 1929. Tim, you have a point to take the lead. Wow. Which of these movies was not set in New York? Saturday Night Fever, When Harry Met Sally, Chinatown, or Being John Malkovich? Oh, man. I thought this was going to be easier. Um, no, it's not. Um, what was the first one? Saturday Night Fever, When Harry Met Sally, Chinatown, or Being John Malkovich? Malkovich. Malkovich, yeah. Um, God, I don't know. Wait, what was the first one again? <laughs> I'm picking the first no, one. No. I'll pick the first one. I'll pick the first one. Saturday Night Fever. Okay, you pick you pick Saturday Night Fever and Adam. It's your oh. chance to take the lead back. And I know when the Harry answer to Sally, this. I know Chinatown the answer to this question. Or being John Malkovich. If I'm wrong about this, I'm going to walk away and never do another podcast. Okay. It's Chinatown. Which takes place in L.A. Oh, it's five to four yes. season series. Jack Nicholson. It's about water rights, isn't it? It's about like water. It's about like bringing have, water into L.A. Man, I glazed over on that one about me. just because I heard yep. Chinatown. Yep. I have never seen any of those movies. Really? Yes. You've never really? seen When Harry Met Sally? Nope. Start with that one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, every time Tim tells me to watch a movie, I watch a movie. So I'll watch it. Now, what about me? What, back to <laughs> it just is how it's worked out more than anything else. It's not a it's Tim's not like a whose opinion okay. do no, I value? Yeah. Tim yeah. gets them from John Axford. He's got a line, he's got a 
Act well, X was the last one was Face Off. Yeah, which Face Off was great. Was Don't dog Face in, Off. Insane. But no, Axford would be like, uh, Tim, I did, have you seen this foreign film from uh, 1982? It's uh, <laughs> such from Colombia. Hmm. And I'm like, Ax, man, I, I, what are you talking about? <laughs> of course, I haven't seen it. Well, you should check it out. <laughs> All right. I mean, we could talk Ax for a while, but let's talk Brewers baseball as we talk about later. We, we need to talk rotation, and we've delved a little bit into it, but quickly, let's kind of just focus on the rotation. Tim, how do the Brewers manage when they're missing Eric Lauer, Freddie Peralta, Aaron Ashby? What do they do with these key injuries right now? I think it's pretty simple. You got to three of your healthy starters. You got to let them have more pitches. I, go, I will die on this hill. Uh, September 6th, Tuesday in Colorado, where... Woodruff is thrown seven innings, one run, 91 pitches, and they take him out. And then what ensues, right? You got to mop up some innings. And just because you have a five-run lead doesn't mean anything in Colorado. I mean, I just, I, I just for whatever reason, I've played enough in, in Colorado. Like, it's just, it's the same as a one-run lead. But then you fast forward two days, and you got Burns at seven innings. He's given up one run, and he's at 92 pitches. Well, what do they do? They run him back out for the eighth. So I, I don't understand why they do it. Um, and, and I know that Adrian Hauser is kind of coming back from injury, but these guys, they got to throw more pitches. They got to be allowed to throw more pitches. They have to, because that way you're going to save the bullpen. You're going to save the bullpen for the days on guys that they have to piece it together, like the bullpen day that's coming against the Cardinals. If you're sitting there mopping up three and four innings every single time out out of the bullpen, it's not sustainable, even with an extra guy down there. It's just, you're not going to be sharp. Um, and you need these guys to throw a lot of pitches, including you got to give Woodruff 115 pitches. That's what I would do. I, I would just write that in. I would tell him before the next start, hey, man, you got 115 pitches, whatever you can do with that. I'll say more to expose it to fans than anything else. I don't think you were necessarily wrong. And Woodruff, when asked about it, definitely felt like he could have gone back out for the eighth. He wasn't saying that because he doesn't like to speak against his coaches, but he said it without saying it. That was um, one of the great but, read between the lines quotes of the entire year. Yeah, I, I yes. feel bad for guys like that that know like they can't they got it. And I said it on the on the Bally show. I was like, man, I'm, he can't say anything bad. I'll I'll say it for him. Like they shouldn't have taken him out. And it's like, well, the bullpen needs to do their job. It's easy to say that, but you're changing the entire game by giving hope to the other team. Don't give them hope. Tear it from them. The, the Brewers organization has measured when to take a pitcher out by two things. One is times up, more so than pitches thrown. The other is the Walker and Chris Hook actively measure pitch effectiveness, and when they see hints that you are starting to tire, they take you out regardless of the pitch count. So they saw signs that Woodruff was starting to get tired, and he'd been up seven times so they decided the eighth time was going to be detrimental and moved on obvious i'm not i'm not trying to validate it i'm not trying to play that side i'm just trying to give information to those without it to understand why that decision was made sure they have historically done this for a while no i know i can um, tell and but i've, I, I've yeah. been speaking out against it for two years <laughs> yeah <laughs> until i get fired on my show but <laughs> I, I just, it, you you know, if you're looking and you're measuring that kind of stuff, sometimes you miss the forest through the, you know, the trees. You're just, you're focusing on something and not seeing the game for what it is. I, I think yeah, that's I think a this, problem. This conversation represents the change happening in baseball over the last 
five years as data has gone from this new thing that was available to teams trying to figure out how to communicate it to players. And then in addition to communicate it to players, like understand the uses of it. And we are now in a different place, I think, than we were five, six, 10 years ago. And everything Brad said, I'm nodding so hard, my, my neck hurts, including the fact that I, and I feel the same way Brad does. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I do think that it's, it, I like to understand why they're making these decisions. And this, he explained perfectly why that instead of just watching and having a feel for when it's time and sort of making that best educated guess, they're making these decisions now based on data that they see. And what's lost in that is a, that gut feel of like trusting your horse, which Tim, I think is talking about Brandon Woodruff is like of anyone on this staff, he's the guy that I want to say, forget the data, forget that there's a mile per hour office fastball. That's Brandon Woodruff. That guy is my horse. He is a warrior. He is going to find a way to get through this. Of anybody who's pitched for the Brewers in the last, I would say, 10 years, he's the one, he's the, at the very top of my list of guys that I would want in that situation. You're, you've lost that gut feel part of it. That's been just kind of extricated from the game everywhere. And at the same time, you're, you've lost the, the pitchers having never getting the opportunity to go do that, don't know how to do it. And that part of baseball is just, it's leaving the game. And again, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm not trying to sound like a get off my lawn old man, <laughs> which old I am man, an old man, but yeah. I don't have a lawn. I took it out and we put in a stamped concrete patio and back. We can have some beers in, in October, late October. But um, it, 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 that part of the game is like gone. And, and 95 pitches now is like where these guys get to. And it's, it's more max effort for 95 versus saving a little in the tank for 120. It's just a change that's happened in the game. It's Brad's 100% right that it is based on data and what they're looking at. And because the bullpens are stacked with so much nastiness, instead of like, two nasty guys and then some guys that you like that can gut through some innings. It's like six nasty guys for a lot of teams and they are more willing to go to a fresh nasty arm than to let the starter go at with diminished stuff for that pitch 110 to 120. Sure. But you you're, you're discounting the fact that I've seen and you've seen so much baseball. I mean, I just, I played professional baseball for 18 years. I've seen a gazillion games and you sit there and you watch the games. You can tell the even flows of it. Players know it. Players know it. And you can feel it. And it's like, as soon as you take out a guy when they're not supposed to, I mean, this is 2020 World Series game six where they took out Snell. The game was yes. not saying take this guy out. And nope. I'm not. But the com- data was. I, the data was. And so I, I think it, to sit there and just, you're relying on the, well, the data says take him out and we have really good bullpen. I think that's a crutch to fall on as a coach where you're just like, oh, okay, well, I can just make this this decision and no one's going to second guess me or no one can refute the data. And I'm sitting there going, I could, as soon as that moment happened in Colorado, I was like, the Brewers are probably going to lose this game. Has nothing to do with who's in the bullpen and who's coming in. Had everything to do with that moment and not trusting your guy who wants probably to stay out there. And to me, that you talked about at the top of the show, the disappointment from like the last week. I think that was the biggest disappointment. I think that but, that but moment I, right there. 
just to count, just to offer the counter argument. And again, I want to make clear, like I also love when they send the guy back out for one more inning. I mean, my, one of my earliest baseball memories is Jack Morris in the 1987 world series where he goes the distance against John Smoltz. And that was like all guts and guiles. (laughs) Yeah. It was like all guts and guile. And like the data would have today, they would never ever have an opportunity to have a game like that. And it's one of the most special games in the history of our sport. And it does not, that, that is like removed from our sport now. And I'm, I am somewhat sad about that, but on the flip side, I, I try to, you try to put yourself in the position of Craig council, Chris hook, Walker McKinvin, the, the guys who are making these decisions and they would equally be kicking themselves if they, if they went on gut versus what was the the, what was maybe the smart, what was You're the more logical him, thing leaving to Leaving him out there too long? When have they ever, I can't even think of a time this year when they've left a guy out there too long. They've always, well, I think I don't Burns know. I think is, I think, might, I, mean, that's fine. I think there's the Burns is three starts where he are maybe a result of them letting Burns dabble into that 110 plus pitch mark because he has a few starts where he does go six or seven for the first time in his career. He's also making starts on five days regular rest, which last year he almost did exclusively on six. And he makes those pitches. He throws 110 plus on a semi regular basis. Then he has three games where he looks like 2019 Corbin Burns versus. 2021 Corbin. You guys ever watch The Office? You ever watch The Office? Yes. You know the episode where uh, Dwight and Michael are in the car and they're listening to the GPS. Yeah. And Michael is like, "It's telling me to take a right turn," and 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 Dwight looks up and is like, "No, there's like a ramp going into a lake." He's like, no, it means go up and then take a right. And he goes, I'm going to follow the GPS. He turns off into <laughs> the water. This is the best analogy. I I'm sitting, that's what I'm watching in some of these games. There's a reason there's Scherzers out there and Verlanders yeah. and like Garrett Coles. Like these guys, there's stories. I've had teammates that were teammates with Max Scherzer. And he's like, they're sitting in the bullpen. And Max Scherzer gets done with his bullpen. And he grabs a rosin bag and chunks it and says, enjoy your day off. And tells it to the whole bullpen. Goes out there and pitches nine innings. And I think Brandon Woodruff can do that. I think Corbin Burns can do that. I think when Freddie's healthy, I think he can do that. Um, I think Adrian Hauser is probably is equally capable. I, I, but to me, you're just over and over again, just putting out the same product of, okay, it's packaged. It's really nice. Let's turn over the bullpen. And I'm not dogging the bullpen at all. I just think there's times when you have to do this as for a team. Where a guy, where the team can rally behind a guy because he's doing something special, and I think, I think the Brewers don't entertain that enough. Much like Adam, one of the staples of my childhood fandom is CC Sabathia going every four days, throwing a complete game to seven innings almost every time out. Um, I love a complete game. I love a guy gutting it out. My one argument is, and I think we all felt they should have left Woodruff in, but my one argument is how often does that work? How often does that exact move work? And I would bet 90% of the time there's a success rate in baseball where you're thinking, ah, let the guy throw 15 more pitches, but they go to the bullpen and it works. And I, I get that's more data, but I think it's so easy for us to go back and look at this moment and say, what a tragic moment for the team. Like you should have let Woodruff in 
when that's a move that works 98 out of 100 times. I get it was Luis Perdomo. I think that was fans' fans' biggest. I think the craziest thing about it wasn't that Luis Perdomo had a bad outing. I think it's that he had his worst outing of the year. He's been a good reliever. If you look at every other appearance, he's been a good reliever. But eight pitches. Yeah. It took well, eight pitches. <laughs> yeah, I, but you could see the even flows of the game. It was The writing was on the wall. And you can say, I mean, I honestly think you could have brought anybody in that moment. The best reliever in all of baseball. And you could have them pitch every single inning or every single... You could... I, I just, the way the game is played, if you've seen enough games, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen enough games and you just trust the data, then maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I think they should talk to the players. I think when some of these guys leave and the Brewers, I think, ask Corbin Burns when he's on another team in five years. Hey, man, remember, remember that no hitter? Could you have pitched the ninth inning? Just see what he says. And maybe he'll stick, stick to his guns and be like, you know, I don't know. I, I felt like it was the right time to take me out. Because we had another pitcher in the bullpen. That's been the, the thing for years. But there's a reason we're talking about some of these magical pitchers. It's because they were used to throwing nine innings. It was a disappointment if they didn't go seven, eight, or nine innings. So, But, I'm, I'm, but it's, to me, it's like not as apples to apples because the stuff... Isn't, t- Tim, just the stuff that they're throwing up there now different? Isn't the strain on the arm... Isn't that part of this little equation, too, that... Ni- is 95 pitches for Corbin Burns... The same as 130 pitches for CC Sabathia. Maybe, maybe I, I think it's and maybe you talk to these guys and maybe there's conversations going on with the training staff and they're sitting there going, okay, well, you know, he can't throw that many, or maybe they're always looking for the next thing. I just say, well, when do you? So it's September. Is now the time yeah. to sit there and say, okay, well, let's put all that aside, or do you just keep turning right, following the GPS and? you know, driving down well, the we're ramp. We're going to see, right? Yeah. I, I think this is a great question and we're going to see. And, and, um, well, it started again, out with the starting pitching. So I'm sitting there like, well, how do you, how do you get through it? Well, some guys need to step up and they want to step up. You can see it. They want to step up. They want to be those guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying now it's time. Anyway, we can, we can edit out my soapbox if you want, but <laughs> no, no, it's great. I mean, this is like the conversation and ba- this is like one of the conversations about our sport is like, baseball is trying to get more action back in the game and get more of, of what we're talking about. And we talk a lot about the offensive side of it, but the pitching side of it is a big part too, where it's five innings from your starter and then a bunch of bullpen. Well, maybe I'm biased. Is that as compelling as, as what we, as CC Sabathia in 2008? I think uh, I would argue, no. Well, I may be biased too. If I go back to 2005, I'm in high a ball and on the same pitch counts, almost anybody else, I'm throwing seven, eight or nine innings but the guys that keep moving up are the guys that strike out 10 in five innings. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there going, okay, so there's no value to a guy that can just eat up innings and give a team a chance to win. So that's kind of the playoff here. It's like, what do you really want at the end of all of this? You know, what, if you want the bullpen to be hanging because they have to, you know, mop up so many innings every single time out. Cause you're on the hopes of, okay, well maybe this guy will get through it. I don't know. I think to keep everything fresh, the way baseball is designed, is for some of these starters to to go deeper into games. And I don't think it's a health issue or a stuff issue. Yes, their stuff is amazing, but I think it can be amazing for 110 pitches. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? How do we know? We won't know. Well, and, and how do you know if you don't let them do it once in a while? Yeah, but I'm not even saying once in a while. Like, you can watch the game and tell. You can watch the game and say, dude, let's just leave this guy out there if he wants to. Hey, how do you feel? Hey, I feel great. I want to finish this game. Oh, yeah. Just let the guy show more faith in them, I guess, is what 
you know, instead of just hinging everything on the bullpen all the time. Okay, well, we, these guys got to do their job. It's like, well, that guy was still doing his job and doing it well. So why not just stick with him? Okay, soapbox over. Sorry, Brad. Tim, I'm, I'm going to jump on a plane. I'm going to come down. Let's go to Tootsie's tonight and just talk about this all night. Okay, yeah. All right. We're going to get Tim the counseling he needs for his scorn from his minor league days. <laughs> He's carrying some things. But first, we're going to take a break. And when we return, we're dishing out our stat of the week. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. And guys, it's time for Stat of the Week, the moment we've all been waiting for. Adam, I started with Tim the last few weeks, Mm -hmm. so why don't I start with you? What's your Stat of the Week? My Stat of the Week is 76, which is, as we departed after that homestand, the leading scorer in the clubhouse Papa Shot, Brent (laughs) Suter. I don't know what his middle name is. I would have said it if I did, to be dramatic. Suter B. The, the reason I mentioned that and I wrote about this on Sunday is that they're trying to get everybody off their phone. Suter's like the dad of the clubhouse right now. The get, put your phone down uh, and play a game. Go outside and play. Well, they're not going outside and playing. They're playing in the clubhouse. A ping pong table showed up on this last homestand. It was fun to watch Suter and Mike Brasso battle it out. Uh, there's the Papa shot. There was the chipping game in Arizona. I think they are, well, I know, uh, these players and Dan Larea, the fine director of team travel, is helping them uh, get some energy going, get some, have a little bit of fun. And maybe the way Tyrone Taylor put it is stop thinking about baseball all the time. You know, they spend a lot of time thinking about baseball and trying to be very good and getting their work in. And this is a, a chance to just have a little bit of fun. So Brent Suter is the uh, current leader. I believe Trevor Gott is number two. So good luck to them down the stretch. Yep, Brent Michael Suter is the oh. man in charge. <laughs> I would have said Raptor, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, your stat of the week. Nine is the stat of the week. Um, and that is the number of Brewers batters with double-digit home runs. Um, I The reason I say that is because Victor Caratini has nine, so that could be ten, which would put them in first in all of baseball. And you know what? If Jace Peterson goes yard a couple times, then they'll have – more than that. So I don't know. I, this home, this home run team, this is, you know, this is what they do. They're third in all of baseball in home runs. That's how they get it done. Um, yeah. I, I just, for whatever reason, they, they love the home run. That's where most of the runs come from and they're all of them are doing it. So yay. Now I believe this, that is correct, but 1990, the last time someone threw six innings of one hit ball without recording a strikeout. Ooh, Rob Dibble. I don't know. Who was it? <laughs> a brewer? It was a brewer? <laughs> no, no, no. Anybody well, The last baseball? time a brewer did it was 87, I believe. Hmm. Um, I lost my tweet that I was referencing, which I believe was from Dom, who people should just follow with their stat nerds at this point. For sure. Dom, Dom Contronio. Great, uh, yeah, he he just says crazy good stats. Um, so it was 1990, and... Yeah, uh, just not an occurrence that happens anymore where you have zero strikeouts in six innings of one-hit ball. So you're not going to tell us who it was, or you're frantically you trying to find I, the tweet? I, I'm frantically searching, and you guys yeah. are putting me on the spot. Come on. I'm still guessing so, Rob, you know, Dibble. <laughs> Rob Dibble. I will get back to you after we oh. answer the question of, it's National Peanut Day. 
Tim, do you go crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Oh, such an easy answer. Wait, what did you say? Day it is? National Peanut Day. Oh, peanut day. Oh, um, I don't know. If I'm making a sandwich, I'm going to go crunchy. I, I was a minor leaguer for so long, so I remember when they started putting large jars of the crunchy alongside the creamy. So, yeah, crunchy's always wow. gone first. And they say minor leaguers weren't treated well. <laughs> yeah, red carpet, baby. Chunky. I'm team chunky. <laughs> Smuckers, that's Smuckers natural peanut butter, chunky. That's my jam. With Big a, jars. Yeah. Yep. With a name like Smuckers. It's got to be good. Mine is uh, crunchy if I'm like just eating the peanut butter by the spoonful. Straight out of the jar? Yeah. Creamy if I'm going sandwich. Hmm. I don't like the texture in the sandwich. Interesting. (laughs) And meanwhile, you're probably still trying to look up that stat, aren't you? Well, you. I can see you looking down as we're talking about peanut. People don't know. We can see each other in the Zoom room here. I'm going to start looking it up now. Oh my gosh. Back off me. This I'm is not great audio. This is, the, this is probably the best segment we've done. <laughs> Willie and Rowdy are both heating up. Who finishes with more home runs, Adam? Uh, I'm going to go uh, Rowdy Telez. And there is some kind of, uh, I don't know if it's just trash talk or if there's actually something on the line, but um, they are definitely aware that they're neck and neck. So I'm going to go Team Rowdy. I think Adam hit the nail on the head earlier in the show when he just. He just comes in bunches. He just goes out there and, I don't know, he's crushing baseballs. He has the ability to slap it up. I looked it up on his uh, baseball savant. Uh, if he would played his home games in Cincinnati, he would have 36 home runs right now. Oh. How about that? Thank you, computer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, computer overlords. I got to go rowdy, too. It's I, I think Willie could do it. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's just every time if Rowdy hits another home run this season, there's a 33% chance he's going to hit another one. So, I mean, Willie's got to compete with that. And that's really hard. So anyway, there's a missing stat that we're not going to address. Oh. That's all the time we have. Oh, <laughs> this is a hanging Chad right here. <laughs> <laughs> Do people even understand that? That was 22 years ago. <laughs> this is the worst episode we've done. <laughs> it's the no i would argue that it's the worst ending to an episode we've done anyway don't follow dim tillard don't follow adam (laughs) McKelvey. just follow the brewers on instagram tiktok and twitter goodbye jerks (laughs) (laughs) okay it's the 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 stat is at least six innings no strike or no 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 strikeouts one hit i cannot remember who i saw it from Hits allowed equals exactly one or one or fewer? Uh, one. Exactly one. Exactly one. Okay. Let's see the results. I got it. Let's see if it's 1990. It is 1990. <laughs> well, this is... I had that part right. Who's the this pitcher? This is such... Oh, there were two in 1990. Oh, my gosh. All right. What a letdown this is. Who were they? Randy Hennis. Randy Hennis. Anybody know who that is? Nope. And Anthony Telford. Randy Hennis was the one I saw, and I could not for the life of me pull that back up. So Rob Dibble was wrong. Got it. Rob Dibble was incorrect. Randy (laughs) Hennis, he pitched for the Houston Astros against the Cincinnati Reds on October 3rd, 1990. Six innings, one hit, no runs. One walk. All right. No. All right. That's all we have time for. Thanks as always for listening. (laughs) Don't forget to follow our hosts. (laughs) We'll see you next week. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.